Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Fan Podcast. Um, it is Nikki, and I am here with uh, my good friend Anne once again. Hello. Thank you so much for coming back, especially after um, school started and all the craziness started again. My pleasure. This is actually the highlight, and I think I said this you last said time, the highlight of my week. So no matter how busy I get, like we make time for this. Love it so much. Well, we are going to talk today kind of a, a part two of sorts. We had a plan. We had an entire plan for something that we were going to talk about, and then we about five minutes ago we're just like you know we have so much more to say about hustle culture that maybe we need to just um, honor that and dive into it because i can speak for myself and say that the last time we, we recorded the hustle culture podcast was a completely different um pace of my life and Absolutely. we really got hit with a lot of stuff so um, as helpful as we, we tried to be in the beginning, we were in it in the last couple of weeks. So we kind of want to circle back and just do a little update. Absolutely. We're definitely going to be talking about this while in the trenches. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, the last Nikki and I were talking, we were like, remember when we sat in those chairs and were able to carve out all of this time <laughs> to talk about how busy our lives have been before now it's yesterday and today and tomorrow yes it's that <laughs> yeah we were so cute we were like yeah make time for yourself and just honor those feelings and um now that I'm back we'll talk about kind of what's changed I do want to start with a special little a new segment for Anne and I don't have a name for it we're just gonna, <laughs> we're gonna um be reading a short little snippet of something that Anne was so nice to provide to both of us. Um, this book that she gave me, it is exactly what we are talking about with hustle culture is just, it's titled 100 Days of Less Hustle, More Jesus. And I don't think it gets more specific than that. But we both read day one, um, like two days ago, one day ago. And we were like, oh, dang, this is exactly what we're talking about in our podcast. So I'm just going to read it, and I'll leave it for what it is. We'll move on after it, but just know that this, these are our, um, this is our heart, this is our feelings, this is our perspective on hustle culture and rest, and we want to leave you all with that as well. So it is called Home to Your Heart. Guess what? You don't need an invitation to rest. You don't need someone to give you permission, and you don't have to prove that you deserve it. You are worthy always. Not just on the days when you feel like you've done enough or finally gotten things right. You are worthy because you are divinely created and infinitely loved. Can you hear that still, small voice calling you home to your heart? Jesus knows that the deepest love and the greatest transformation begins at his feet. Find your way there as often as you can. He delights in your presence and longs to give you rest. Mike, drop. Yes. The one that got me specifically was just you don't need someone to give you permission to rest and you don't need yeah. to prove that you deserve it you are worthy always that is everything we wish we could say um very nicely and eloquently and after that I just want to ask you Anne how has your perspective or your feelings or even just the tone and pace of your life changed since the last time we had our hustle culture podcast oh gosh 
So if baseline was that point that we had our other episode where we were planning ahead, we were reflecting on what was before. Um, It was this place where we could be totally present with where we are. Um, We knew who needed what from us Mm -hmm. three days before it was needed. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say now, if that was baseline, this is like panic mode. Mm -hmm. Um, Being that I know what's coming and it's not addressed because the fires I didn't know coming yes. are popping up left yes. and right like whack-a-mole. Yes. Where once I tie something into a bow, like three other things pop up. And all the while, um, everyone's looking to me to have it together. So um, that's how it's completely transformed. And honestly, I feel like every industry is living this out schools especially I think everyone in education is used to being very good at their jobs um and we're all up against it and and we suck at something that comes so naturally to us Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. everything that came natural is now muted and we're all brand new exactly and I think that that's a really good thing that you mentioned when you say that like all industries right now are just like really struggling because we really gotten back to the swing of things in the last couple of weeks. And even though we, Anna and I both were back at work, um, like physically in the office in August, school started a couple of weeks ago. And that just threw a huge monkey wrench into all of our fun plans um, just because of the joys of, you know, the things that we used to rejoice in, which is just spontaneous visits from uh, students or um, speaking in classes, because now we are doing so much on top of that, especially with like COVID stuff and regulations and following social distancing. It felt so agonizing to be going through it. Absolutely. So I don't think we're alone in this. Anna and I are just like, we meet a couple times like during the week and we're both like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like this is crazy. Right? Yeah. Nikki, back at you. What has your life looked like from that other episode to yeah. t- today and now? Honestly, when we recorded the last podcast, I was in a season of hustle um, because I was tasked with doing something for the university that was different than my um, typical job. And so it had a very, very extreme deadline of when school started, we had to get all this stuff ready, all these policies made, all these regulations. So I was, I think I said in the last podcast, like I can work from eight to five straight through and still have things to do the next day. And um, I've had experiences in my life, especially with teaching, just with um, burning out. And I, because of those experiences and where it put me in like a mental, you know, space, I can recognize really fast when something is not sustainable. And um, to be honest, that lifestyle where I was at the last time was not sustainable. And so I talked to some people and I cried some tears and fought so that I wouldn't have to do that lifestyle on top of my current job responsibilities. So it's been a little bit of a faster pace, not because of um, job responsibilities, but because I've been going through that process of trying to stop doing what I was doing while also keeping my office afloat. Um, And that is just emotionally very, very taxing. So now I'm in a place of um, maintenance. And I think we've Mm -hmm. talked about this, you and I, Anne, just like, Mm -hmm. how do we deal with 
only being able to maintain when we are both um, called or we enjoy planning and maximizing more than we can. So, yeah. So it's kind of like September is always a very, very busy month, but we have just had, you know, about six months of working from home with our loved ones and wearing pajamas to work. And now it feels like September is a lot more because we're getting back into the swing of things too. Oh, for sure. So for sure. Yeah. So I kind of talked a little bit about um, burnout. Um, We talked in our last episode about hustle culture, about hustling and hustling and hustling and hustling. And I don't know if we mentioned like the term burnout very much. Um, But what I'm quickly seeing is that burnout culture and hustle culture are extremely linked. What are your thoughts about, well, what do you, how would you define burnout first of all? I think burnout, I think, is you feeling like whatever you're doing has sucked the life out of you. Yeah. And and here was the key about burnout is that can happen when it's something that you love, mm-hmm. too much of it, and no boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that can also happen with the things you don't love. Yeah. That you don't have boundaries to advocate for yourself. I do want to say that the moment when you were saying all of these added responsibilities were not a good fit for you. It was just completely, um, like I said, sucking the life out of you. You were feeling really burnt out. Mm -hmm. You really advocated for yourself. And had you not gone Mm -hmm. through that with teaching, you probably wouldn't have the gumption to go to your leadership and go, "Mm -mm." yeah, you know? Um, So, so that's burnout. So I think in the past, the belief was burnout happens when you're misaligned or completely on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. No, it can happen on the right path with no boundaries because now you've worked yourself into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I would describe it. It's, it's having that light flicker out. It's having, it's just being miserable, whether it's good or bad or whatever you're putting your time into. Yeah. I think that um, a lot of people think of burnout in terms of like, job burnout professional burnout but your what you just said can extend to a lot of different areas and so I think it's important to understand that like you can burn out of a friendship or a routine or um, a person something like that whereas you can also burn out of um, a job or responsibilities on top of you Um, I this is really random but have you ever experienced burnout as a mom because I feel like that's a very taxing job and you can't like stop, you know? <laughs> yes, 100% okay. you can burn out as a mom. Um, and all my moms out there are going to be able to hear that too. Um, one, because mom guilt is a beast mm-hmm. that no one can really tame. Mm-hmm. And then the pressures of... Um, social media on motherhood mm-hmm. on tidy homes on <laughs> cooking home cooked meals yeah. and and then also um i found this added layer of being the career mom who mm. who is still in her work and no i'm not taking him to the park after a nap i'm not i don't see him until i get home um so absolutely you can burn out as a mom mm. no matter how old your your kid is and so um 
it's tricky because then you're like, but this is a person I don't want yeah. to, to take time away from them and things like that. But that's why things like balance and self-care yeah. and, and um, me time, those are all things that, again, we're born out of hustle culture, mm-hmm. um, burnout, because that's a supposed solution to it, you know, so it's, it's constantly going back and forth with that to make sure that, um, again, we're never too hard going into one direction, that we're constantly aware of where we are on the spectrum of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, if any of our warning signs or red flags come up, then we, we veer towards the other direction. So, um, you never feel actually done because, right when you poured, you know, into one area of your life, the other area is calling for help. And so um, doing that in a way that you're not blaming yourself entirely for all of it is, is huge and just so hard. Yeah. And I've read online a couple of things that really do say that a lot of like the millennial generation, or even just like people from our age group we deal with burnout at a very different rate than our you know um people above us or even right now i guess high schoolers they have burnout going on but from like a professional stance or even just relationship wise millennials are apparently experiencing a lot more burnout than a lot of other people and that's just because well there's a couple things i okay so i experienced two types of burnout um and i think that that kind of goes into what burnout really is so in my mind, I picture it like when you're working out like really, really hard and you have like one day where you just like push yourself too hard and then you go home and you're dead and you don't want to do anything. And you're like, wow, I need to not go back tomorrow. I can't work out tomorrow. I'm done. That was awful. Never doing that. Or like, say you do like a spin class and your butt hurts and you're like, wow, never doing that again. I'm not a spinner. That was awful. I burned out of that one. That's like very short, very intense types of burnout. Or on the other hand, there's like when you're doing a fitness routine for like months. So like right before I got married, I did like six months of just like getting up at 6am, eating really well, running five miles, lifting weights, going on walks, like all the stuff. And it was working for me a lot and it was um, sustainable to a point. And then like two months before my wedding, I was just like, I'm burned out. Like, this is awful. You can't, you can't pay me to go to a gym. Like I, I will not run. I just like drank a lot of water and walked because I was like, I did that routine to the point of no return. Like that was awful. So in like two different portions, there's like a burnout that's like heavy, heavy responsibility, really hard. And you can like recognize it really fast. And that's the kind of burnout I experienced when I was teaching is I just knew from like the very first couple weeks, this is not sustainable. This is awful. I'm already tired. How am I going to go back to work tomorrow? And so I didn't go back to work. I jumped ship. Like we talked about a lot. Um, and that's easier to recognize. It's also really, you know, bad for your mental health and, and, you know, a lot of things. And then there's also like this small, like sustainable burnout where like, they keep poking you to do more, but you know you can't, but you take it on because you have no other option. And then finally it gets to be too much and all of that pent up emotion is like thrown out in volatile ways. And that's what I kind of wanted to say is that I had 
the um, socioeconomic advantage of being able to leave the job that burned me out fast um, to where some people don't have that privilege. That's that making sense. So I want to just stress that like burnout can happen to everyone. Um, but the reactions and what we can do as a result of burnout, there are some that are reserved for certain groups and classes of people. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's kind of what I was realizing is that like right now we're in a pandemic and I am at that sustainable burnout where I know that I can go to work today, but I'm going to be dead tired. And then tomorrow I'm going to have to do some self-care and like, so I can go back to work. I don't have as many opportunities to leave my job right now um, because we're in a pandemic and I'm so blessed to have a job. And so even recognizing that feeling of being stuck and like no way out contributes to these awful, awful feelings of downward spiraling into even worse burnout. So what do you think about all that? Oh, you're so right. And and seriously, it is important to acknowledge those who can just move and leave the situation because um, that can be easily said. But say if you have responsibilities, a mortgage, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, that's not as feasible as it used to be. Yeah. So how do you navigate it in those senses? And so um, there's never one major solution for for all types of burnout it's really thinking about at this moment where you are is the next step to figure out how to cope with this Mm -hmm. or is your next step to figure out how to walk from this and um and being able to label one for now Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um is really going to be helpful because if 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 you're thinking about these things and then you go my choice is to walk, but now I can't afford to walk. Yeah. Um, that just wedged you into this place of build up resentment and bitterness for where you are. Yeah. So, so if you choose to walk, but you actually can't do that, your choice then is to cope and to really put that and always have, um, an eye on what is in your control. Yeah. Um, if, if the money's keeping you there, then coping isn't your control. Let's name it the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when we're stuck, you know, it's not that we're stuck neck deep. We're, we're stuck from our waist and maybe our hands can start doing some things. Yeah. Or, or we know that there's other ways to, um, to make it bearable for you. So that's, I think, such an important thing. And even with your analogy and like the fast and short, that happens in relationships yeah. too for dating where you can go on three dates and go, yeah, nope. And then there's like that slow burnout kind of dating where you're with them for a while. Yeah. Um, and there's little things that poke through that go, oh, it's not, that's not it. I don't think it's you. Yeah. Um, you know, so so all of this applies to so many different areas, and that's why balance is stressed mm-hmm. out. Uh, not balance is stressed out. We stress balance mm-hmm. on things mm-hmm. um, because before, I mean, too much of a good thing isn't even that good anymore. And so, yeah. um, making sure that you know we're consistently investing into the different areas is really important. Yeah, we'll we'll do hopefully a whole episode on like self-care specifically. Yes. Um, 
But I think a really good way to recognize when you're being burned out is when what you would typically say is your way to care for yourself is just not doing it, <laughs> just not doing the trick. That's one way that I noticed that I was burning out in my last job. And then um, even during this like slow gradual burnout last month, I just remember feeling like, well, I, my personal time was kind of taken away from me in a way. So I, I was like, well, this isn't going to work because I don't even have time to self-care, which we'll talk about. But um, another thing that is, is a way for you to recognize if you are experiencing burnout is just if you start, if you're over stress or you're too much stress is starting to put a really bitter taste in your mouth for your organization or your company which I think mm -hmm. is hard to identify because we, we don't want to be the problem. Like we don't want to sit there and be like, it's not you, it's me kind of a thing. But even, I feel like even when you're in an organization that you really love and, and respect, if you start having those feelings where you get mad at other people for no reason, or even just like normal structures that you previously didn't mind make you so irritated that could be a sign that you are experiencing a little bit of burnout, don't you think? Oh my gosh, yes. And and to watch that side of yourself comes out because yeah. either you're a little bit more sneaky yes. or you're not empathetic or if, you know, yeah. um, I, I remember I worked at a job where, you know, every day I would just say, hi, my name is Anne, how can I help you? Um, and one day, you know, after work, my husband goes, can you help me with something? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it was because I took 150 calls with, I am man. How can I yeah. help you? I had no more help to give when I left work that day. Um, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. My husband never asks me for help. And it was probably just to, like, cut veggies or something <laughs> so simple. Yeah. But that brought out this, like snap and and that was a key sign that that something so little the people uh closest to us are starting to get negativity from us mm -hmm. um because it's it's breeding on itself that even mm -hmm. the ones it wasn't meant for are getting it yeah yeah and sometimes it's valid like sometimes it is the organization or company that's that's yeah. really not providing you with what you need and sometimes it, it's like you said it's just you are overworked to the point where your normal routines are not you're not attacking them in the same way anymore absolutely what are other signs you think of burnout that we can like recognize in ourselves um if it starts invading our sleep or the things that we find joy in typically mm -hmm. um that say you know something pops up and then you go, Oh, I'm not doing yoga today. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't even motivate myself to do the things I usually like to do. Um, yeah, totally. but others, I mean, if you think about it, um, sometimes food happens. Like I look to my snacks, my junk food mm -hmm. when I'm reaching burnout to self soothe and keep trucking along yeah. or, um, you know, other people, lean into other vices, right? Where they're like, oh, I'm just going to video game. That helps me escape. Yeah. So 
when I'm burnt out, I happen to log more screen time. Mm -hmm. Or when I'm burnt out, I log more Netflix time. We've found other pacifiers for this burnout. So being very hyper aware of what that looks like for you. And that's why we're not saying that there's these set signs. We're just giving you a lot of ideas because for you, you might find that in something else. And you might realize, oh my gosh, there is a pattern when with my burnout and how I do this. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think like what you're saying is it's hard right now because of working from home and all of that and this hustle culture that if it starts making you check your emails at 6 p.m. and then you have like three things to do as a result of checking your emails, now that's your personal time that you are sacrificing and then you get angry about it. And, you know, it just kind of downward spirals from there. Um, so you were saying that um, it's really important to like recognize that you're like eating as a result of the stress and everything, or, you know, choosing to do something as a result of just dealing with this burnout. Um, I think it's also, it was really important for me when I, when I burned out of my first teaching job, um, because of that, I was able to process and, and realize what about that um, is now a trigger for me. Mm, and yes. in this last month, I, I found out, it was like confirmed in my mind that I get triggered of burnout, I guess, um, when I don't have an out, when I'm, I feel like I don't have anywhere to go, no other options. So my first teaching job, that was my contract, my teaching contract. I had six more months. I felt like I am literally stuck. And in this last job, I was given a couple like responsibilities and they weren't feasible. Um, They have since been, you know, eradicated. But at the time it was like, okay, you're going to work weekends and you're going to work evenings and you're going to work in a day. And so I was feeling like, okay, I'm stuck. There's no other option because if I don't do it, there's literally no one in the entire university who will do it. And that feeling of stuck, it triggered me so hard Um, I started looking at other jobs. I started like, um, freaking out, tears, crying, stress eating, not working out. Um, but I also, I could place it. So when I talked to my supervisor next, I told them just so you know, I had a really bad experience in my last job. Um, and I'm realizing that as a result, I need to have options or just a sustainable path. And so I said, here's what I, I'm feeling triggered on about this whole job thing. And we, we got it worked out and that was a great situation. And so I can't say like it works all the time. It just, in my situation, I was able to put a name to it and then explain it to who could help me. And then they helped me because I knew that I was feeling stuck. Absolutely. And I think that was like the most important thing Um, because I mean, there's one thing to then feel stuck and um, respect the contract or respect some of the confines of it um and I don't know if anyone's felt this before but then you know once you kind of step back and you're like let me see if that wall is breakable actually Mm -hmm. am I really stuck behind this and I think that was like an important step that you took because to then go to your leadership and go I can't fix this for myself but I'm gonna tell you Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to put the ball in your court. So if you do not fix it, we're not going to be surprised. Yeah. Because that just then confirmed that I am indeed stuck in this. And that means I'm out. Um, 
But that prompted them to go, hey, this isn't working. She advocated for her needs Mm -hmm. and what her feelings are. And um, what can we do? I think a lot of organizations, um, and this could fluctuate depending on what your position Mm -hmm. is, who your leadership is and all of these things. So I don't want to ignore that. But see if there's a conversation that could be had about what you need um, first. And 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 if after that you did, then your bit, to give them a shot to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then we plan for after that, yep. you know, so um, that was so important. And, you know, triggers is such a huge thing. And what triggers really are, are these um, accidental cherry bombs that all of a sudden go off and then autopilot this response mm, from mm-hmm. you. You have no control over it. And then you wake up from the trigger and you're like, Oops, something, something within what was just said or something within what had just happened yeah. made something involuntarily happen yeah. to me. Um, and I think that one's important to be able to name and to label because I think uh, what happens is some people are accidentally stepping on triggers and then people are feeling offended or whatever negativity response comes up. They blame the person when really that was probably us and something automatically that happened to us that someone unintentionally walked into. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's yeah. the feeling that I I really I think I really like stepped on that cherry bomb because I it was like weeks where I was thinking, okay, well, how am I gonna cope with this? Well, I guess I'm not gonna work out in the morning anymore. Okay, guess I'm not gonna be getting to do this anymore. And it was it was hard for me to have that conversation because of my imposter syndrome, taking it back to a couple episodes episodes ago, because I had to step, I had to walk into that room, that virtual room and talk to someone who was, you know, way more qualified than me, who was my supervisor's supervisor and say, here's how I feel. And I, and I have to assume that he cares how I feel. And then I had to, I had to have that confidence to assume that. And looking back, I did it because I had, I felt like I had no other option. That was like the stuckness in me. But as a result of it, the, the, I feel a lot more confidence in how I'm interacting around my organization because I feel like that one situation I was heard and valued. And as a result of that, I feel like I have been able to have a little bit more gumption, um, and walk a little taller. So it it's all connected in this so weird way. All of these episodes that we've been doing. They, they totally are. Because, you know, we talked about this. But imposter syndrome is you overcompensating with your insecurities. Which often does lead to burnout. Because it's no boundaries. It's showing up at odd hours of the day. Putting in a lot more to make up for whatever you feel like you're not enough in. Uh-huh. Um, and it gets us into trouble. Yeah. And so... The solution isn't to just make like, like poof, make everything disappear. It's just to watch how these interact mm-hmm. and um, bring awareness to all of it so that we're inserting um, intentional pieces of rest because all of this could run on its own without us um, and then get us into a lot of trouble. And so if we were to just kind of break the chain a little bit, mm-hmm. and say, oh, but here's, here's, me doing the thing I do when I feel this way yeah. to, to have language and to know those things. I know that, um, one, I snack a lot when I'm really stressed and then I buy a lot when I'm really stressed. Yeah. I call it shop therapy. Yeah. And, 
Um, you know, I know that's totally a term, but how do we not know? How do we know that's not capitalism doing its thing, pacifying you know, us for one more thing it just dealt yeah. us? Yeah. Um, and that's a whole nother animal to tackle. Or society's but- expectations for how we should look. Because that's a whole other animal because we're feeling like if I'm, you know, wearing this makeup, I'm going to be able to attack the day tomorrow. Right, exactly. It's like it's capitalism too. Right. So it all fuels in and to not feel like it's dragging us. It's to stop it and make sure, no, I'm choosing this. Nope. This is my call. And um, where that's from, it's me and my understanding at this point in time Mm -hmm. or what's feeling right to me. Um, all of those things really have to be at the forefront of our minds when we move, because otherwise, um, if we're on autopilot, which I think these, um, organizations, um, you know, bank on our, our move in this chess game is to be awake in it, to, to know exactly what we're doing when we're doing it. So, um, for instance, I'm feeling this burnout, um, over responsibility and over, um, how I want to be spending my days and how I'm actually spending my days. Mm -hmm. But I want to acknowledge that my role is putting me into some positions to do that, uh, which was really exciting and also really scary. Um, And so, you know, what am I advocating for at what point? Yeah, absolutely. And how, and how am I interacting with it and how am I victim to it? And, and really stepping back to name those things so that, you know, even if I'm telling you right now, today is the snack day. Um, and I definitely shopped last week. So we're in it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. And I'm not sorry. Yeah. Um, but how do I make sure that the next couple of weeks I'm going to be fine? Yeah. Which is a whole, yeah. a whole other thing. Um, yeah. And there's no magic solution. Like if everything you're saying, no. I've heard people say like, to avoid burnout, you have to just redefine success. What would you say to that? You're you're making it your expectations higher than they need to be, or success to you needs to change. How would you def- react to that? Great question. Uh, I usually and and this has come up in the other episode, but when you read advice like that, you have to know whether we're taking it or leave it. Because I think everyone who gives out advice is wrong to half of the people that they're reaching. And just because someone is like, that does not work for me, you're a fraud. Um, We want to be really careful um, when we're taking in this information um, to not completely call someone a fraud if it doesn't apply to you. Ooh, yeah, that's a really good point. It's huge because there's a lot of advice going out. That's my job anyways um but but I do see a lot of canceling happening um and I do see a lot of contradictions and advice happening um you and I work with people I studied psych you studied education you know humans are not products we don't all learn the same thing operate by the same rules we don't think the same way so no one piece of advice will fit everyone Mm -hmm. and I know people with equation minds cannot stand this. Mm-hmm. It's absolutes. It's if this doesn't work for everyone, let's not name it because this theory is debunked then. Um, yes. No, we're, yes. we're humans. So uniquely created and mm-hmm. intricately wired. Um, 
that for some people, it will be true that burnout is because of their definition of success. Mm -hmm. But I also know people who um, have the standard for themselves and know they're not meeting it. That will burn them out faster. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because that is how they are wired. And so as I do my job, the advice that I pull could be from both camps, depending on who's sitting across from Mm -hmm. me. Um, depending on what the actual problem is, because um, in the same sense in how things are scheduled and structured, there's the graduate who's really boxed in by the thing that has like five step paths for Mm -hmm. you. Um, They feel straight jacketed by that, where the next student I sit with could feel empowered because they're not thinking about their five steps. They're knowing how to move forward. Yes. two different things. It's not one size fits all. And I think the sooner we get to the realization of that, the better you'll feel about taking information in from anywhere. Yes, that got me a little fired up. I loved it. I know. And rant. I was fired up because I love it. I see this a lot. I've been seeing a lot with the pandemic. I've been seeing this a lot on social media. I see this so much in my job. Mm -hmm. Um, where if someone feels like that's not true for them, this person is completely bonkers and doesn't know what they talk right. about. Um, but when I sit with people and how varied everyone is that I sit with, yeah. I know that I'm going to whip out this particular quote and not that one for someone, depending on who you are and what motivates you and how you're wired. Mm-hmm. So yeah. here, that brings me a thought and a question. So yeah. what what you're kind of saying and what I agree with is that um, you have to take it with a grain of salt, all of this, you know, either if you're looking online or if you're talking to a friend or whatever, because their perspective one isn't yours. Um, A lot of people go, I mean, I was guilty of this when I was in my last job, I felt so isolated that I didn't even have anyone I could talk to. So I went online and I just read all this stuff. And a lot of it was really scarring because I was, it was the worst case scenario. Like, um, do this, or you're not good enough, or you're not a good teacher, or um, you didn't start the school year right, so now you're going to suffer for the rest of the year. And I was sitting there like, dang, am I really screwed now? But in my next job, my current job, I have identified people who I can really like confide in, especially about burnout. Where is the boundary when talking to friends and colleagues about your burnout? Because sometimes it's harmful to your colleagues. Sometimes it's really helpful. So like, what are your feelings about that? Oh my gosh. I know. That is huge, especially in an organization because um, there's the, when you think of HR, there's the employee that, um, that kind of still gets their work done. Um, um, and your organization is going to be fine, but there's this employee that will sink your ship. Mm. Um, and that's because one, they are disengaged. So that's the term for the disengaged employee Mm -hmm. who will spend the entire time, not actually end up doing their work, but also infect all of their colleagues with that negativity. Mm -hmm. Um, and every workplace has it. There's no perfect one. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are the employees to watch for. So for you to, to, watch the language that you're using. Are you sharing your burnout with your colleague um, in a way that 
is relieving to both or does it leave you both going are we walking today or no yeah um and if there's a colleague who's doing that for you and um how you share that knowledge i i happen to be a counselor so a lot of people confide in me whether or not i'm ready for yeah. it because it's I don't know. It, it conversation just gets deeper than skin, and then that's where all of that stuff is revealed. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding for you what boundary is it for you? Yeah. For me, um, if I'm not ready to go, if someone's going to vent to me, and we can spin it hopefully so that we can go in tomorrow without wanting to bark, yeah. let's do that. But if you want to leave um, it negative, and that any positivity we try to end that session on is rejected yeah then to me I have to protect my energy by kind of not making that available yeah yes exactly because because if my choice is to continue to stay I don't have room for you to make me feel like this place sucks today tomorrow and forever yes yeah and it's like you also have to walk into those conversations and it's hard when you're in the thick of it, but as much as possible, recognizing what you want out of that conversation. Because when I was yeah. teaching and burned out, I would call my parents every night. I think I told you this. And I would say nothing else, but just like, yep, today was bad. Like, okay, bye. And then tomorrow, yep, today was bad too. It was an obvious cry for help. Like I wanted my parents to do something to help me to get out of it, offer me advice. And then I've had conversations at my current job where I simply just want support from like an a departmental standpoint of like okay this is really not working for me how can we set ourselves up so that this doesn't happen again so that we don't you know go down that path that's what i wanted out of it and the the two become blurred when you have those cry for helps with people who can't help you and so if i'm talking to like you Anne, and i say this is awful my my office is crazy i'm you know x y and z and you can't do anything for me. You're not going to be the one who, you, you don't write my checks. You don't sign my contracts. So I'm in a way hurting our relationship, our work relationship, if that's all that it is, because I'm, I'm asking for something that you can't give me, but I'm expecting you to give it to me in a weird way. That's exactly. detrimental to our, both of our health, mental health. Totally. Yeah. And then when your expectation is support, then that's 100% what I'm here and what we do for each other. You know, so when I have a bad day, um, Nikki can't fix it for me either. But after talking and feeling like someone's sitting with me in this, someone's hearing that I'm hurting, Uh um, someone's hearing that I'm stressed out. Now I feel like there is someone on this side of camp for me. Uh And then that then empowers me to have these big conversations and the scary ones with people who can create solutions for it. And so really identifying, you know, how every relationship is going to be or, or what you're needing from someone. Mm -hmm. Um, And then communicating that is so helpful. Yeah, you know, um, for the person receiving it, because they're like, okay, you just dumped all of this on me, really can't fix this. Um, But you don't really want support from me. And I can't fix it. Yeah. So what do you want from me? Now we both, I don't feel like a good friend. We both feel crummy after you're done. Yeah. And, and then we're going back to our work. Right. That, that would be like an example of a really tough workspace mm-hmm. that over time will start to 
really be a detriment because then it bleeds to the students you're talking to. Yeah. It bleeds then to um, the faculty and the colleagues that you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. And then you start to radiate it. Mm-hmm. So people who don't even have to visit the office know that's coming out of there. Yeah. And that could be in any setting. I'm saying office because I'm thinking of a university with departments yeah. and, and things yeah. like that. But but that could totally happen. And I've, I've worked in places where um, actually most of the time when I've left a job, I didn't have another one. Again, that was my privilege and, and also a little bit of my brattiness too. <laughs> I will name that. Um, but it was because I was determined to not be the person who was so miserable, but resistant to leaving. Yeah. If you're committing to stay, commit to caring so that you're a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that you, you can correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's something that you struggle with now because sometimes you do feel a lot of these, these feelings, but you're, I, I see you being like, I don't want to be that person because I know how that person is. But I also like I'm here to hear it. Like there are people in your life mm-hmm. who are like open to that and won't think differently of you. And so, like we said, like really knowing who we're talking to is is massive. Mm-hmm. Also, just knowing ourselves. I don't know. I feel really different about looking back on conversations, knowing that I'm like I have positivity as one of my strengths, or you know X Y and Z. I have empathy. I have harmony. And knowing that, oh my gosh, sometimes I say things and I'm like. I know exactly why I said that because I am toxic positivity right now or something to that extent. Mm-hmm. And so knowing yourself and, and being able to pinpoint, you know, what you're feeling and why you're not saying something or why you are can also be really beneficial in the long run. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It is. And, and it's, it's a journey. A oh my gosh. It's a journey. Totally. Um, and you don't find some of those things until you uh, you accidentally step into it and then go, oh, I don't want to do that again. No. Um, That's so true. And yeah. And here's the thing, like, uh, like, oh, my gosh, you just touched on toxic positivity. That's that's a huge thing because. Yes. That's not that the message was not right. It was just not right for that time in someone's process. Mm-hmm. But there will actually be a time to be grateful because you're not going to get by without that. Yeah. Someone just thought that that was helpful um, and maybe inserted it when when said person was not ready. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's such a struggle with, again, like these aren't absolutes. It's not that the message was wrong. It just wasn't... Um, the right timing in that listener's space and then whose job is that to make sure that we all know where that is yeah. because is it um shooting in the dark on the listener's end yeah to be like oh I'm sorry that was not helpful actually that was destructive um but I had no idea that that would be right so do, does intention win or does the mistake it does the boo-boo stick yeah. um you know the, there's so many broader questions I think sometimes I see posts about it and I overthink about it a lot of the time because it's like oh how is one supposed to know and then um you know and then we're also guarded (laughs) then that it's even more isolating um sorry little rabbit trail but but that's that's where a lot of these interactions can be really tricky and difficult but if we are offering as much grace right not this this cancel gosh, you were completely unhelpful. Mm. Like how, how dare you? Yeah. Um, you know, where, 
where can we really be doling grace having it yeah. um receiving it and all of those things and all of that as well because I think the burnout side of us just is very short-tempered and can be very mad at people yeah I, oh, I agree and I think it's kind of a we want to take people down with us in a way like when I'm feeling burned out I, I want my husband to yeah. know I want my colleagues to know yes. and you know that can be helpful in ways and harmful in others but it's an yeah. aspect of it and like we said it's all kind of related like hustle culture taking on so many things um forgetting our boundaries and our scheduled time to work and sacrificing different aspects of what we love to do can really lead quickly into these these different um ways of burning out like we've mentioned and it is in our job but it's also like I mean, I've burned out of workout routines, like I've said. I've burned out of learning Korean. Yes. I've like burned out of diets. I've burned out of friendships. Yes. And um, yes, there's there's that's a whole other aspect. But I think what we're talking about, um, it we can apply a lot of what we've said to not yeah. the work setting, if that makes sense. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And and I think you know one of the the biggest takeaways of of all of this is to um not run it all on autopilot because that's when it surprises Mm. us that we've burned out um that you know if you think of a toddler who's throwing their tantrum because they're overwhelmed or Mm -hmm. something burnout is you throwing your dang tantrum yeah it is it really is and for the people who've kept it together for a long time, yes. it can be very scary because we're worried about reputation and what people think of us. Yes. Oh, totally. But if you're crying in the corner of your office, that's, yeah. that's how you probably tantrumed as a toddler yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I realized, you know, I, I was never as outward and as expressive. All of my intricate stuff either happened internally and then maybe like one tear <laughs> would happen. Um, I would shut the bathroom door and have my meltdown there because of um nurture and of course my parents are like stop crying <laughs> so then you're like yeah. yeah so so then when I realized I, sh- I was crying behind my office mm-hmm. door last week um I had to ask my younger self what are, what are we needing yeah. right now why are you so yeah. upset if you came down to your own level and was like what's what's the root of this what is a core Thing, asking for attention or help yeah. um and and then I think being able to one cry it out expel it however you need to out of your body I think the worst thing we can do is to continue walking around with dazed eyes saying I'm fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. fine I'm okay um no let that emotion out yeah. however it is um that outlet for me used to be yoga it doesn't get to be yoga anymore so it started coming out like in tears it started coming out in like really snappy comments and and things like that but once you let that emotion out and you get to the bottom of what's wrong um, then you can find hope in there yes because once we've like uncovered all of that all of the behavioral stuff um then we can see hope because then I think what was different between last week and this week, now I can see what I can do within mm, this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like there is, there's, I keep going back to this, but like there's privilege that I've had and, and that you've mentioned that we have <laughs> options. And like, for me, I had a person I could go to, a supervisor that I could go to 
who I felt based on experience would hear me out. And it, he did. Um, but I've had supervisors that I don't feel like would have heard me out or even like getting a seat in that room. I would have never, you know, so there's privilege there. Um, there's also, I had the opportunity to leave, um, a job. And so I want to really just, um, preference, preference. No, that's not the word. Preface. Yes preface um, what can happen if you don't have those options and you aren't in a great spot to be able to attack um, what's really going on in your life and you do need to just maintain cope deal and that will be hopefully what we talk about next which um, a lot of self-care and so like what does that look like what is Mm -hmm. self-care for you versus another person and what is too much self-care can self-care be harmful when is it helpful And um, so like, if you are one of those people who are experiencing something where they don't have the opportunities to get out of it, or even change the situation, you are really stuck. um, What can you do from there? And so we I don't want to leave this podcast making it feel like you either need to leave or talk to someone or know yourself. Um, There are other things that you can use to attack. And so that will be um, hopefully our next episode talking about good old self care. Yes. And when is it a face mask? Yes. And when is it some real, yes. you know, other very substantial things to do? So um, I know there's a lot of debunkings with that, like stop with the salt bath yeah. stuff. Um, self-care is deeper than that. Um, so when is it a band-aid and when is it like a core structure that you create? Yes. Um, we'll definitely dig into that yeah. next time. But I want to yeah. close out with the next um, piece of our devotional. And I thought that it was crazy. It was so fitting. Um, And we'll tease you with that until we talk next. Okay. So when it comes to self-care, you've probably heard of some version of no one can pour from an empty cup. And yet the world would have you believe that you can and somehow should. Less sleep, more caffeine, more gadgets to create, more time, more stuff packed in a few hours. You've got this, right? Well, guess what? You don't have to get this, not by pushing yourself past your healthy God-given boundaries. You don't have to get this because he's got this. When you reach the point of burnout, why not confess that soul-draining self-sufficiency? Just surrender. Lay it all out and ask the Lord how you should simplify. Mm -hmm. What to let go of, what to hold on to, what to make time to care for one of his most precious creations, you. Dang. If you leave with nothing else from today, know that you are worthy of rest and all the all. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We're so happy that we were able to have this conversation. And um, thanks to Anne for being here once again. Um, Such a life-giving conversation. I feel like I'm ready to go attack the world. (laughs) Me too. Let's all go. Yeah, let's go do it. Okay. If you have any questions about self-care that you want us to cover, find a way to let us know. We will talk about it for sure. Otherwise, we hope you have a beautiful day. Bye.